Traditional publishers are trash. Find out why on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Design Pickle. Every custom drawing on my website came from the most affordable designers in the world at servemaster.com front slash pickle. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now. Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. Guys, today we have a very special episode today. We have guest host Paris, who started off as an intern and now runs the majority of Serve No Master and is taking a bigger and bigger role and it's first time stepping in front of the microphone. So please bear with us as we have a really exciting episode. We're going to talk about traditional publishing. We met and Paris first discovered me because she's an independent publisher as well. She's written some very wonderful fantasy novels and she's continuing to build her audience in that place while she helps me and helps you to find your success as a publisher and independent publisher as well. So maybe Paris, you can start off by telling us why did you decide to self-publish? How did your journey begin? Hey guys, it's Paris here. I was really into uh, traditional publishing in the beginning because I thought that that was the only way to go. I thought, you know, that that's how you got your books published. You had to go get an agent, then they pitched your publisher, and then you go through that whole process, and then you get your books out everywhere, and it's just like J.K. Rowling, and, you know, it's all magical and wonderful, and that was... And, and self-publishing was kind of the, the second choice or something that you didn't... You, like only the people that couldn't get judicially published went through so that was kind of my whole idea starting to write a book um and then as i did a lot more research i i really found that you know it's not as cracked up to be um i really didn't like that the way that traditional publishers work nowadays it, it worked many years ago i think but now they don't have as much pull in the book world now that amazon is a huge publishing giant you can have all the control that you want you know how traditional publishers can change the name of your book they can change how how the story goes what the cover's like they take all of the control and the rights away from you and i, I was really not into that so as i did more research into self-publishing i thought oh this isn't as illegitimate as i thought it was and i think i can do this and i have not regretted the decision that's awesome to hear i come from exactly the same kind of place you know i started out and I tried to go with the traditional publisher. I tried to get an agent. I flew to New York to meet my agent. And the day I was supposed to meet them, they wouldn't take any of my calls. And finally, I got an email back from like the assistant. goes, oh, he decided not to meet with you. And I was in the middle of signing a publishing deal with my first book, which actually was Girl Gets Ring, which was not traditionally public. And ended up has since then done $2 million sales. And it's like, yeah. if they're going to miss the book on that, these guys are idiots. That's kind of what I realized. And I had a second experience a couple of years ago when my book was number two on Amazon. I was ahead for just a few hours of J.K. Rowling, ahead of every Harry Potter book. And my phone started ringing off the hook. Amazon called me and said, we noticed you're doing so well. We want to do some promos with you. And I got a call from a big five publisher. And during that call, one of the things he said that blew my mind, he goes, oh, PR is dead. It doesn't work. He goes, it's a total waste of time. I was like, wait, appearing on television, doing radio, none of those things matter anymore. He's like, yeah, none of that works. And I was like, I don't think that's right. And further on our conversation, I discovered that 
really all traditional publishing companies do is they go from the factory where your books are printed, they drive those books to the bookstores, and that's it. They don't do anything else. They, he was like, oh, you have to generate all of the sales. I was like, so I generate all the sales, I do all the work, I write the book, I do everything, and you guys keep 85% of the money for driving it to the store. My mom could put books in the trunk of her car and drive them to the store. You, you guys must do something else. And he's like, no, that's all we do. Yeah, exactly. Now that I'm like kind of going on this path, I'm doing so much work in, in all of the marketing areas and building my audience. And I would have to do the exact same work if I was trying to go traditional, but they would just take the majority of the profits and like what do they add on top of that? Doesn't seem like a whole lot. Yeah, I feel like they're caught up in the 1800s as though people are still writing their books by hand using a quill. And one thing that I was thinking about was last week or two weeks ago, you emailed me, remember, and you, or you messaged me and said, oh, there's this open promotion right now. You can get your book on this promotion. Do you remember that? I think it was a free booksy or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a free promotion and they said, you have to sign up in a certain amount of time and we'll generate a whole bunch of downloads. How did that promotion go for you? I think I got about 90 email subscribers just from that and it was free. So it was pretty good. Okay. So here's what's really crazy. If you've been with a traditional publisher and you'd wanted to join that promotion, you would have had to get their permission first. And do you think yeah. they would have responded in time? Exactly. So the biggest problem with traditional publishers is their lack of agility. They don't know how to adapt to the market. They're still living in the past. And everyone talks about JK Rowling like, oh, see, this proves traditional publishing works. But 12 different publishers read Harry Potter and goes, this is garbage. We don't want to publish this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, and none of them got fired. Each of them cost their company billions of dollars in revenue, everything from toys to movies to theme parks. And their boss goes, meh, you, we all make mistakes. <laughs> and that, like, I'll be honest, Paris, you work for me. If you lose me a billion dollars, you're gone. <laughs> that's, that's my rule for any employee. Anyone who loses me a billion, they're gone. Because that's, but yet, at traditional publishers, they go, eh, it happens. And those people are still working. And that's kind of the, the two biggest things I've noticed. You know, I've worked with several clients in the past, helping them with launches. And every time someone has their book with a publisher, no matter how small, the thing I notice is that there's no decision-making authority. You know, we run those promotions all the time, or we do book giveaways. I love giving away books. I love doing promotions and helping authors to build their audiences. And how many times have we had one of those, and it turns out someone has a publisher, and they go, oh, my publisher decides what I'm allowed to do. Oh, my publisher says I'm not allowed to grow my audience. Oh, my publisher says I'm not allowed to do this. And I said, what has your publisher done to grow your business in the last year? And the answer is always nothing. And so publishers get all this control, but they don't do what they used to do. They don't print the books themselves. That's done by Ingram. Every single paperback book in the world is basically printed by Ingram. It's one company. Even if you think it's CreateSpace or KDB Print printing it, no matter who you print with, it goes back to them. And all of these companies take credit for that. And then they don't even get you booked on any television shows. You have to hire your own PR company. And then they sell you, oh, PR doesn't work. So those are kind of the reasons why I've really felt like traditional publishing is going by the wayside. And this we've seen this in other industries. If you can't adapt and when you lose agility, then small people can come in and push you out the side. Yeah. And I've, I've really noticed this in, in my own stuff. Like I've just... I've built my list from zero to 1,500 in the last like three months. And that's mostly due to promotions and newsletter swaps. And I ha that means I have to be booking those like all the time. And, and that, that's from me giving my, giving my book away. And then if I had to, if I was tied to a digital publisher, I would never get anywhere because they would never, you'd have to like go through them every single time you wanted to do something. And so many of these are time sensitive. That's exactly what I was kind of thinking about next. You know, 
the most important thing, and this is something everyone asks about, every new author says, I got my book, I published my book, I got an Amazon, how do I get reviews? And that's that <laughs> the big elephant in the room, right? And yeah. the big way to get reviews is you've got to give away free copies to people that are good reviewers. But guess what you're not allowed to do without your publisher's permission? It's give away books. Yeah. And so it's amazing to me how people can get a traditional publisher, and traditional publishers always turn me down. They never want to work with me, even though I, I have an audience, I have all these things. Because all they say to me is, how many Twitter followers do you have? And I say, oh, I don't really know how to use Twitter. <laughs> I'm not really good at it. I have a Twitter account. I definitely have one, but I haven't logged in in a few years. And yes. their only measurement, I say, but I have a mailing list of this size. And they said, oh, mailing lists don't do anything. I said, hold on, hold, hold on. Twitter followers buy stuff way more than mailing lists. I realized they don't have any understanding of digital marketing, of our industry, of how important it is to form a relationship with your following, how people pay a lot more attention to email than Twitter. Twitter, when you're on Twitter, you're, you're seeing hundreds of little tweets and you can respond to any different one. But when you're reading an email, it's the only email you're reading. You get that private time, that one-on-one -on -one conversation. And this guy had no understanding of that. And I was like, how do you still have a job? Like, how, how is your job to recruit people like me when you have no idea how anything works? And one thing I also learned is that Publishers hate the New York Times bestseller list. Everyone's dream, right, is to get on that list. But the problem with that is that it's caused by a sales spike. So it's not how many books have you sold since your book launched. It's how many books have you sold this week at the 3,000 stores that the New York Times gets data from. And I, I don't know if you saw this in the news about a year and a half ago. Someone who was a children's book author put out a children's book, and they called all 3,000 stores. And they go, hey, do you guys report to the New York Times? They go, oh, yeah, we do. Okay, can I have 87 copies of this book? And they did it at all 3,000 stores. And none of the stores figured out what was going on because, hey, they're just happy to sell 87 copies, right? <laughs> so the person who had done no promotion and no one had ever heard of and there were no ads anywhere was like number seven on the children's book for New York Times bestseller list. And only because other authors started investigating did they realize that this person got in the list, which is supposed to be a big secret, but it's not. A lot of people have that list. And they managed to manipulate to get on that list. And what's crazy is that Traditional publishers will actually try to stop you. Everyone's dream, right, is to get more recognition, more credibility, because when you can say you're a New York Times bestselling author, whether you're nonfiction or fiction, you can get better speaking gigs, it's easier to sell books, all those things. What traditional publishers want is steady sales over a long time. Because if you have a massive spike, they print enough books because of that spike, and if the spike drops off, now they've printed a bunch of books and they can't sell. Because they don't understand how marketing works, they're always two steps behind. So in my conversation with traditional publishers, they go, oh, no, we don't want you to do that. We don't like sales spikes. What we'd like you to do is sell 1,000 copies a week for the next two years, but do not sell 10,000 in a single week. Don't do that. It'll mess up our numbers. <laughs> so you're not allowed to do advanced review copies. You're not allowed to do promotions. You can't drop the price of your book. Oh, my gosh. If you want to drop your book oh, yeah. $7.99 to $0.99, <laughs> you better get ready to sacrifice a pig because otherwise they're not going to let you do it. You have to call to the ancient Greek gods. They will not let you do that stuff because they go, no, we're going to lose money. And I'm like, right. There was a game I played as a kid. The first computer game I ever played was called Lemonade Stand. And here's how it worked. Every day, you would choose how much ingredients you bought and you would price your lemonade. And you could charge as low as a penny or as much as $100 for a glass of lemonade. And if you charge $100 a glass, you might sell one, but you probably wouldn't. If you charge a penny glass, you'd sell tons and tons and tons. And you wouldn't make any profit. So you were trying to learn how to balance it to where you made the most profit. Not about selling the most lemonade. It's not about uh, charging the highest price. It's about the profit times how many units you sell. But I brought that up to my traditional publisher. When he's recruiting me, he goes, well, I don't like the sound of that. I said, don't you want to make more money? <laughs> said, no, we want to make more money per book. And I said, oh. uh, okay. That's why I said, this is a really good, I was like, you're really doing a good job making me want to work with you. And he was, you know, all of the things they recommended 
constantly went back to you do all the work. We keep all the money. We don't understand how marketing works. PR doesn't work. Email lists don't work. I was like, what works? He was like, you should get speaking engagements where you speak at a public event and you tell them as part of your speaking fee, instead of paying you, they should buy a copy of the book for every single person in the audience and put it under their chair. And I was like, wait, <laughs> that sounds like I'm, that sounds like I'm buying the books now. <laughs> like, what I heard was I pay $10 a book or $20 a book, whatever they're going to charge me, depending on if it's hardback or paperback, for everyone in the audience out of what would have been a speaking fee. I said, that doesn't, that doesn't really appeal to me. I don't want to buy. And he was like, we want to sell a million copies of the book. I was like, I got to buy a million books for other people. Can you do anything? And it kind of, as I went through this process, it was so, so crazy. So we're not allowed to give away our books for free. We can't drop the prices. We can't be agile. We can't make adjustments to the market. One of the biggest opportunities, right, is to create a book that's timely. There are things happening that are in the moment all the time. One of the first big successes I had online when I was doing SEO, I bought a website, ashtonkutcherdivorce.com. It's the first thing I did. And guess what it ranked number one for? This was right when it was in the news. This was uh, when he was married to Demi Moore. And it was like a news story, Ashton Kutcher seen with another girl. And I go, oh, everyone's going to search this term. And I was right. I got a ton of traffic. Didn't make any money from the website, but I used that website as proof of concept and people hired me to teach them how to rank their websites. That was the very first big success that I had online. And I learned that because I did it in the right moment. Now, obviously, if you bought that website right now, no one would care, right? The values disappeared. It only was valuable for about two weeks while everyone was wondering, are they or aren't they? Because people really care about celebrity stuff. And in the same way, things trend. So imagine right now, like everyone right now is interested in uh, an election. And so if you say, hey, let's write a book about the next American election, and then you publish the book through a traditional publisher, it will come out about a year after the election. Yeah. With traditional publishers, it's an 18 to 24 month cycle between when you start the book and when they release it. Because they have seasons, they have upfronts, they have a whole complicated publishing process. Plus getting so the you, actual agent. Even, yeah, even if you already have all that stuff in place. And what's even crazier is you can have a really good idea. Like let's say right after Twilight came out, you go, oh, I've got my own book about teenage sexy angsty vampires. By the time it gets released by a traditional publisher, the trend is over. No one's into that anymore, right? Right. Post-apocalyptic teenagers have changed. Oh, no. Vampires is so five years ago. Now it's about zombies. And you go, oh, my gosh. I wrote a book that would have, I would have made so much money if I'd published it in a timely fashion. So this is fiction and nonfiction. And the worst part is that when you're with a traditional publisher, if your book is a massive success, they're like, we did it. We picked a winner. And if your book fails, they're like, oh, well, this author sucks. It's not our fault. So you don't get... You don't get credit if you win and you get punished if they fail and don't do anything to help your book success. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why my belief is that when it comes to traditional publishers, it's not worth working with them. It's not worth the effort and we should just let their corpses rot. What do you think? I agree. I don't think that there's, unless they're able to pivot and find some sort of way to drive all those sales or do something for the authors, you know, there's just, there's just no point in going with them and just um back to that point about um price i do remember when i was a kid like you know you go to the bookstore and, and you buy a book and it's at least 20 25 sometimes 30 if it's like a hardcover but nowadays you can price them at a dollar 99 cents and they just can't compete with that anymore you you can change your prices you can be flexible you can go to the market you can, you, you can go to what people want you can do promotions and lower the price or raise the price and find out what the sweet spot and do all those sorts of things and you can't do that with a traditional publisher what some people don't know and this is 
how traditional publishing stopped working. And independent publishing was basically invented by Amazon. About 10 years ago, Amazon put out the Kindle and they said, let's start releasing lots of eBooks. That's where eBooks went from like idea and kind of something that was on the edges to the mainstream. So it came published to the masses, even though it wasn't the first e-reader, there were other tablets and stuff before that. And the traditional publisher said, well, the paperback is $13.99 and the ebook is $13.99. And Amazon said, that doesn't make any sense. You can't charge the same price for the two different products. One, you have costs. You have the cost of printing, the cost of ink, the cost of shipping the book. The other one, there is no cost. You could sell it a million times and it doesn't cost you anything. All you're doing is increasing your profits. And the traditional book publishers all said, hey, look, we're not lowering our prices. And so all the books were still $13.99, $14.99. So you would pay the same price for a paperback book or a Kindle book. And so the only reason someone would do a digital book, which of course is more profitable for Amazon, because Amazon doesn't have to pay to ship it to your house. Amazon wants to sell digital books. So they have lower costs, they have a higher profit margin. So they said, you know what? We're going to work directly with the authors. And that's when they opened up the Kindle dashboard. Because they said, hey, I bet if we get people who are independent and writing their own books, they'll be willing to charge less than $10 for a digital book. And so it's actually the only reason the independent publishing world even exists is because traditional publishers dug in their feet. And this is a mistake that cost them, I don't know how many billions of dollars, but it's a lot. And they still haven't learned 10 years later. So all of those and more are reasons why none of my books will ever be traditionally published, why I don't work with traditional publishers, why I don't care if my book is in the airport, because that's not where I'm going to find my best customers anyways. <laughs> and that's why Paris and I both agree that traditional publishers are past. And I want to thank you guys for listening to our first special episode, part of season two with Paris on board. This is our first time trying to do a little bit of digital technology. And we're excited to see the recording come out really good. And guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up below. Let Paris know that you appreciated hearing her so we can bring her on more episodes. I'm trying to convince her to be my partner on every episode <laughs> going forward so she could share more opinions. Paris is a master copywriter. She knows how to do SOPs and build a business and do structure and all those amazing topics that are part of building a business and hopefully we'll hear about those more and more in the future and if you're listening on a traditional vice make sure you subscribe because we have a lot more amazing things coming as part of serve no master podcast season two thanks for being here paris this was awesome thanks thank you for listening to this week's episode of serve no master make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode we'll be back next tuesday with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you Tuesday. A fire starts with a single spark and an army starts with just one fanatic. Start your army with my free guide, how to get your first 100 fans at servenomaster.com slash 100.